Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. Okay, so continuing on that subject, uh, we're looking now at family factors related to aggression. Uh, and this is an interesting topic and something that my guess is there will be a lot of interest in, but before we get to um, maybe the more uh, interesting or controversial or what have you part of the discussion, we'll start with just some of the basics. Uh, so harsh parenting is associated with higher aggression in children later on. Uh, what is harsh parenting? A um, number of definitions for it uh, can be thought of um, more authoritarian parenting would be one way to think of it. Um, more uh, black or white, uh, yes or no. Um, there would be less shades of gray, there would be less room for interpretation excuse me, less room for uh, other types of uh, discussion. Um, I guess harsh is a good way uh, to, to sum all those things up in general. So uh, we'll start with that reality. And again, we're, we're looking at, this is, this is not something that's up for debate or up for uh, questioning. This is the uh, reality that the preponderance of the research has showed us. And we can, we'll continue uh, I'll get to your questions, uh, your obvious questions in a minute, but first I want to get through uh, the basics. So verbal abuse associated with higher aggression in the child later on. Um, not tremendously uh, surprising. Uh, this, In some ways this goes back to the social learning theory that we talked about towards the beginning of this lecture. Uh, the child sees verbal abuse um, and I guess there's somewhat of a question of uh, does the verbal abuse itself do something to the child that makes the child more aggressive? Um, does, does it change the actual person? Or is it a matter of not changing the person but teaching the person how to behave? Um, and this is a question uh, that is answerable. There's certainly a hypothesis. You could hypothesize either way. Um, but uh, something to keep in mind, uh, is it the teaching part or is it the aggression changing something in the child? And something similar with the physical abuse. Uh, again, physical abuse also associated with higher levels of aggression in the child later on, not a great surprise. Um, following the same concepts, uh, the idea that uh, physical abuse, uh, is it changing the child in some way or is it demonstrating to the child what uh, normative behavior is? This is an open question. Um, so, so what do we do with this? Well, let's start out with um, let's start out with an understanding that we're not talking about opinions right now. We're talking about facts, um, and facts are good, and uh, facts are a reflection of the world that God created, and so they're not anything ever to be afraid of. They're just something that needs to be. Uh, thought about and dealt with in a serious manner. Um, something like uh, you know denying a set of facts because uh, because you don't think that they uh, agree with Christianity 
is really uh, not necessary in most uh, cases, unless something is particularly about theology, the person of Christ, uh, and Orthodox Christianity. Um, facts are facts, and they're things that uh, need to be dealt with in a meaningful way. Now, um, uh, so I suppose the, the obvious question here uh, goes back to um, uh, goes back to the, the biblical uh, biblical interpretations um, related to child rearing. So there are some biblical interpretations related to child rearing that would say that um, hitting children is necessary to teach them or to raise them, and there would be uh, some biblical interpretations related to child rearing that would say that that is not necessary. Uh, and Christians of goodwill could believe uh, and follow through with either of those um, understandings of biblical teaching. Uh, again, for lessons in theology, you want to turn to your pastors, uh, elders, theology professors. Uh, in this room, we talk about social psychology. Um, but a point I wanted to make along this point is uh, not everything, excuse me, not everything that is um, called for in the Bible is going to be um, objectively good for, uh, for people depending on your perspective. So uh, your, uh, and oftentimes we find that uh, people who don't have a biblical perspective, people who don't have a Christian perspective, might have a difficult time understanding why a Christian behaves in certain ways. Uh, you've probably experienced this before, as I certainly have. Um, you know, if if you uh, if if someone has wronged you, and you have forgiven that person and welcomed them back into your life, it might be difficult for somebody uh, without a Christian perspective to understand why you would do that. Uh, it might not make sense to them. If you talk to your financial advisor um, and they ask you, you know, why are you tithing? Why are you giving 10% of your money to your church or to um, your uh, to missionaries to other religious organizations? Uh, your financial advisor might tell you objectively your financial situation would be better if you gave less of your money away and put more of it into your retirement or uh, into paying off debt or what have you. And this is true. This is a true fact. This is objectively true. If you didn't put money towards, uh, towards the church, you would have more money in your retirement. But that's a, a narrow way of looking at this, uh, this fact, this, this example with money. A more broader way uh, to look at it might be to say, um, my, my worry is not about my uh, finances, my income, my retirement. My worry is about doing the work of the Lord. And that requires, uh, or that requires giving uh, of financial resources in order to do so. Uh, so I hope that example uh, helped clarify some of what I'm getting at now. Uh, I do expect you to know the facts as presented on this page about harsh parenting, verbal abuse, and physical abuse. Uh, and I expect that you will be able to accurately reproduce them in uh, the quiz and related test uh, materials, um, writing assignments, etc. So let's jump ahead to situational factors related to aggression.
So um, just a few here. Aggressive cues. Uh, a cue is something that you see that can bring up uh, a series of um, either um, uh, conscious or subconscious um, thoughts uh, and can thus change behavior. The weapon's effect, very interesting. The presence of weapons can increase aggressive thoughts or behaviors. Just the presence of weapons uh, amongst anybody, no matter who they are, just having the weapons around can change the way they think, uh, can change the way they behave. Uh, similar things with aggressive characters in media. Um, we're going to get to that a little bit further down. Uh, temperature. Uh, the heat hypothesis, hot weather increases aggressive acts and tendencies. This is one of my favorite examples of causation and correlation for people who don't understand the difference. Causation is when A causes B. Correlation is when A and B tend to occur together. Uh, but neither one is causing the other one necessarily. So uh, we find in many uh, cities and urban centers that uh, ice cream sales and uh, violent acts, murders in most cases, um, ice cream sales and murders tend to go up and down at the same time. So uh, if you thought that this was uh, a causal change, you could say, well, if we just stop selling ice cream, we'll have less murders. Wouldn't that be fabulous? But uh, in actuality, it's not that A is causing B, it's not that ice cream sales are causing murders, it's that something else, C, in this case hot weather, is causing both A and B to rise. And we do find that when temperatures are higher, there are more violent uh, activities, more murders, etc., and more sales of ice cream. Uh, so uh, this sort of classic example of causation versus correlation uh, something that I hope will benefit you going forward. Whenever someone tells you that uh, A and B are related, you want to be thinking uh, what is causing what or is something else causing both of them. Uh, another example, uh, crowding. So uh, obviously uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier with the, um, the baseball game example. Crowding people, putting them into a enclosed space uh, tends to cause um, or increase uh, ag aggressive uh, behaviors. I wonder if this uh, I wonder if this is related to mob mentalities or to to prison behavior, having people uh, crowded uh, in those situations. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the work that's been done on that is like. And then finally, uh, violent media. So there is there is such a thing as a desensitization to violence. Right, so the more violence you see, the more uh, used to it you become. And this is something, um, it's true, but you don't want to take it too far. So you might have heard it said that, well, violent video games are causing a rise in violence uh, in the U.S. Well, uh, through much of the time, I mean, there there's a whole bunch of stuff wrong with that uh, that theory. The first being that through... The majority of the time when this was being claimed through the 90s and 2000s, violence was actually falling very precipitously. Um, so the whole idea that violent video games were causing a rise in violence is nonsensical because there was no rise in violence. Violence was falling rapidly. Um, so uh, you know, first off you want to start with the establishment that the facts uh, being presented are true. Uh, second, um, there's a good amount of research on, on video game players that they are uh, no more violent than uh, other their peers who don't play video games, and they actually do score higher um, 
in various types of cognitive tests, hand-eye coordination tests, general knowledge, uh, etc. Um, and some of this is related to the hand-eye coordination is certainly related to actually playing the video games. Uh, you know, un, un, you're getting a lot of practice with hand-eye coordination. Um, so uh, we don't want to take this concept too far. There is a general truth that violent media will desensitize uh, folks to violence, but um, there, there's no reason to be afraid of, you know, mass murders happening all the time because of the violence uh, available in media. I mean, there's already so much violence available in media, it's hard to imagine there, there being even more. And if we don't have an effect now, uh, we're not likely to get that kind of um, very large effect down the road.